Hello and welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast by Skift Meetings, the podcast for curious event professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. My name is Miguel Neves and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Skift Meetings. And in this episode titled Africa Rising, I have the pleasure of speaking with Rick Taylor, the CEO of the Business Tourism Company. Our conversation revolves around Rick's work in establishing convention bureaus for several African countries and promoting these destinations for business events. We talk about the challenge of getting governments and investors to appreciate the value of convention bureaus. We talk about why convention bureaus are actually a great investment for destinations because they are key to attracting additional foreign direct investment. We talk about the process of working with institutions like the World Bank in setting up national convention bureaus. And we talk about the importance of forming regional event industry associations to unite local stakeholders. We also talk about Africa 2060, the African Union's development blueprint to achieve inclusive and sustainable socioeconomic development. Hope you enjoy listening to this conversation, and I invite you to check out the other episodes of the Event Manager podcast by Skiff Meetings, all of them on our website, or you can subscribe through your favorite podcast service. Now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Event Manager Podcast by Skift Meetings. I am delighted to be joined today by none other than Rick Taylor, the CEO of the Business Tourism Company. Rick, welcome to the show. And I'm as delighted as you are to be joining you, Miguel, on this auspicious occasion. Um, yes, post IMAX 22. Excellent. We're recording this in early June. Um, we are. We were just saying that um, we're, we'd like our listeners to imagine that we're um, sitting at an African campfire. I don't know if you have a specific location in mind, but if you imagine that you're sitting in a campfire, that is that is where we're going to um, virtually take you during this podcast episode. Now I can see this campfire, Miguel. The sun is setting across the savanna. The trees are sort of silhouetted against the setting sun, and we're sitting there perhaps with something red in our hands. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Something, a, a beverage, a, a nice beverage. A, for a us beverage, of, yes. <laughs> Rick, we, we've known each other for, I think, over 10 years. I, I was yeah. kind of doing the sums, and I think we met actually in Serbia in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. I think you were doing some work at that point there, and I was there with IMEX uh, managing the Future Leader Forum, the, uh, the the event for students, and we've kind of kept in touch ever since. We have, and it's been, uh, it's been a remarkable friendship. It really has been super. And uh, we've, uh, indeed, that was uh, a great meeting back in Belgrade, uh, back in the day. And uh, we've also, sweated together on that 5k IMAX run around around the river Miguel. So yeah which is a, a wonderful sweat working opportunity right. 
<laughs> and we're still sweating, right? Yes, it, it does feel like IMAX, um, you know, when, when in the years that it does happen, and, and unfortunately, last two years, it didn't, but but this year it happened again, it seems to be our, our meeting point or our natural meeting point every Indeed. year if we don't, we don't do other yeah. events. But Very I'd love you to start by just talking through your journey in the industry. I know you have a long history in, in different mm -hmm. parts of the industry, convention bureaus in South Africa, etc. We'd love to kind of take a quick journey through um, through the story of Rick Taylor and how you came to, to what you're doing right now. Terrific. Thank you, Miguel, once again. So let's have a look through the rear view mirror. And um, uh, uh, my early days were spent in the advertising world, um, MD of a couple of advertising agencies. And then uh, that was in, in Johannesburg in South Africa. We then, our, our sanity prevailed and we moved to Cape Town. And uh, our, our, certainly our introduction into the meetings world, if you will, was through the acquisition of a small hotel. And uh, obviously, you know, one had to continue with keeping the, the revenues flowing all year round. And uh, at that time, as, as, as in many destinations, the focus was primarily on leisure. And I sort of tripped you know, uh, across the, the meetings industry, which was a sector we, we, uh, we nurtured and, and worked to keep the, the winter uh, occupancies ri uh, rising and, uh, and paying the, the, the bills. If it were, and that slowly, slowly started leading into my my, my passion for business events. Uh, although, we, as we still fondly refer to, certainly in a lot of the emerging countries in which we work, the mice sector. And one thing, Miguel, led to another. Ended up uh, starting, and this was like just post apartheid, late nineteen nineties, and um, tourism was clearly uh, an economic incubator. But this hidden gem, mice, was, dis was yet to be discovered. And I think I, I came across it doing some research and I went to the, the city stakeholders, the, the provincial authorities, and, 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 and managed to talk them into um, thinking about, A, a convention center, in brackets read the Cape Town International Convention Center, and of course, the then the destination marketing organization, the Cape Town Convention Bureau. So Africa's very first convention bureau um, that has grown on, you know, if we refer to ICA, it's, it's Africa's number one destination still today. So I think it's important that uh, those who do it first sort of continue with the right management and commitment to continue to, to be uh, massive contributors to the economy. So that really then led uh, me to South African tourism to help establish that, uh, that desk back in 2005. And then that led into the business tourism company, Miguel, which is, uh, what, uh, which is the institution Colette and I have been both driving with enormous passion across the continent primarily. And um, we're very proud to say that uh, we've worked alongside terrific teams in uh, Rwanda, Ethiopia. We, uh, we're in Uganda at the moment, but Uganda came off the back of uh, Kenya. Uh, what else have we done? Uh, Tanzania. We've also started to explore West, and we've started a, a project in Senegal. 
So our French is slowly um, improving and, uh, and, and Togo. So West is still um, mushrooming, starting to make its presence felt. But we've focused primarily in East Africa, certainly over the last, gosh, 15, I'm going to say 15 years, Miguel, establishing hardworking convention bureaus and, uh, and as a consequence, helping Africa rise, putting Africa on the economic map off the back of business events. It has been a, a, a challenge, um, uh, entre nous, in so much the, that many governments, when they, they, they think tourism, immediately it's, it's leisure. It seems to be, a, 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 well, it is a lower hanging fruit. But the business events sector, as you know, is a lot more scientific, it's a lot more strategic, it's a lot more focused, it's, a, it's more of a craft than, uh, again, with enormous respect, perhaps a more of a shotgun approach that the, the, that the leisure desks seem to pursue. So here we are um, in uh, 2022, enormously passionate about Africa particularly and what the mice sector, the business event sector can do for the continent at large. Fascinating. Thank you for taking us through that. Um, I wonder if you remember, you mentioned owning a hotel and I, being focused on, on tourism and then and then kind of really trying to fill up the, I guess, the slower times and the slower periods with this kind of a convention or um, that kind of thing. Was there a particular moment when you realized the scope or the potential of the business events side of the world? Absolutely. When, you know, it's, uh, and I, maybe we'll talk about it in a moment, what we call the theory of mice, Miguel. But in that hotel, when, you know, and I think that's the important, you know, you're actually behind the desk. You know what happens from a reservations point of view. You're knowing and appreciating what is happening from a business perspective. You're behind the desk. <clears throat> you're behind the bar. You're serving the clients. And I, I, just looking at our numbers um, uh, from, from the hotel, winter, summer was great. You had all the leisure tourists enjoying Cape Town. Uh, but the winter months, the rooms were empty. And that's when I discovered we had to go, we had to move into the corporate, we chased down the insurance companies, the incentive companies. And as, as we got that piston firing, the revenue started to come, the occupancy started to come, and it was really thanks to the meetings industry that, uh, that the business to be between us that actually survived. You know, um, that, that, uh, that's, I know we talk a lot about seasonality, uh, and how the business events sector contributes to not only a hotel seasonality, but indeed to a destination seasonality. So that was really, guys, this is the panacea. If it works for a small hotel, it'll work for a, a city uh, like Cape Town, it'll work for a country like South Africa, it'll work for a continent uh, like Africa. And you can use many other parallels in terms of destinations as well. So absolutely, Miguel, um, the light came out, bang, strategically how key uh, the sector is. And we're talking about a time here where there were no convention bureaus. Um, how did the 
business operate at that time? How did that all work? Was it up to you individually as a hotel to kind of go and find that business, even the international side of it? Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so from that platform, I obviously immersed myself in the in the tourism ecosystem in South Africa, and uh, I set up the. Cape Metropolitan Tourism Organization, which was very leisure driven in the, in, in the late 90s, 90, 98, 99. But very quickly, again, uh, during winter, Miguel, you'll find this interesting. Seasonality, Cape Town, literally the lights went out on the 1st of April, which was the commencement of, of, of winter, and only came back on. Uh, across the ecosystem, hotels, airlines, the entire value chain only started coming back on, 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 on the 1st of October. And that's when I started saying, no, this is not working. Taking my experience from my, my, my small experience from the hotel, and how did we then magnify that into the economy? So off the back of the Cape Metropolitan Tourism uh, obviously, I was engaging with all, um, all the politicians on a regular basis. I started talking about this convention bureau. But during that time, I'd been reached out. Uh, 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 I spent some time uh, on the board of DMAI, which is now Destination International, meeting with, with uh, stalwarts like uh, Rick Antonson and uh, John Hutchison, some good old names from the good old days and uh, started just connecting and appreciating what business events can do for a destination. And that was really the introduction of the Cape Town Convention, the then Cape Town Convention Bureau. And we set it up as an independent standalone and went to work, started meeting professionals like your good self on international platforms and slowly Africa rising off the back of, uh, of Cape Town. And then since then, uh, gosh, we've uh, been privileged to establish 10 national convention bureaus and, uh, and, uh, and other city destinations on the continent we will see presenting themselves, certainly as we head towards 2063. Mm -hmm. And I say 2063 because the African Union has ring-fenced that, uh, that magical year as uh, where all things being equal, Africa and tourism is a far, far more potent uh, uh, incubator and piston. Let's let's come to that in a second. I'm, I'm curious about this. It is, I think, the furthest kind of you know plan that I, that I've seen of anybody out there. But it's interesting to understand why that year was picked. Um, but I wanted to go back a little bit in terms of. Setting up Convention Bureau, I mean, this is not many people take on this kind of undertaking. This is this is a very, a very ambitious project. Um, and I believe at the time you mentioned a few names, I believe the, you know, the standards, the blueprints for Convention Bureaus are the US market, you know, DI being a more US focused organization, you have Convention Bureaus in the US being more uh, driven by bed tax and those kind of things and being, you know, a certain type of entities. I think you also have, you know, the Australian models and some people working out there that quite early on set, set up convention bureaus. Mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to maybe talk through what parts of those 
convention viewers were you able to kind of learn from and implement and which parts had to be different you know because you know the african reality you know you tell me i don't want to make any big assumptions but i imagine you had to make adaptations and you had to find ways to work and you mentioned independent what does that really mean compared to when we talk about like the u.s model gosh miguel the african model vis-a-vis -vis the either the australian or the u.s model as you'll appreciate is just so very very different um, of course, there are, uh, there are some common denominators categorically. But the first thing is uh, I, I, um, we've wrestled with is the comprehension, the under, getting the, the, the shareholders, the politicians particularly, the investors to appreciate the value of a convention bureau. And right now, uh, certainly, uh, I'm going to say ac across the globe, particularly in the emerging markets, there is no better investment any government can make other than in a convention bureau. It brings a, a thousand delegates to your destination that weren't coming. So once one comprehends that nugget, and then, you know, the, the downstream, how, how, do, how do you make that then happen? is where um, it, it gets really strategic and very, very exciting. So it's all about, as far as I'm concerned, about, uh, it's about ROI, everything gets measured, no matter what it is. And um, yeah, sorry, you just, uh, everything actually gets me me measured and post, show reports, I'm just thinking again, because IMAX is so top of mind, when bureaus go back now, um, let's, let, for example, Uganda, there'll be a post-show report, it'll go to the Minister of Tourism, it'll go to the investors, in this particular case of, of setting up this uh, Uganda Convention Bureau, which is the World Bank, and, and we will illustrate exactly the millions of dollars that the investment in, in, in IMAX uh, this last week actually how it's going to materialize. So coming back to, you know, the, the, the African model, very different to the US, very different to the Australian. You'll know better than most, Miguel, that the US have had convention bureaus for the last 100 years, I mean, at, at least. I mean, I think Vancouver goes back into the 1903. I mean, uh, I'm just delving into the, the memory banks here. So it's been around for a long time. Associations have been around for a long time in, in the US and indeed a little bit uh, latterly in, in Australia. It's all pretty brand new, 10 years old, in, um, with the exception of South Africa that have been obviously doing the, uh, the business events market for, for a while. Mm -hmm. And here's, here's a case in point uh, just to prove that a convention bureau is a great investment, Miguel. We, as, as, as you know, um, um, Colette and I were privileged to work on Rwanda, a campaign, a project that started in, uh, at the end of 2013, where in terms of ICA rankings, Rwanda was number 21 in Africa. There was nothing there, not even a convention center. Look back now, a few, a few short years later, the country is number three in Africa on ICA rankings. 
from 21 from nowhere to number three. Convention centers, investment strategies, branded hotels across the skyline. Next uh, end of the month, they are hosting Chogum, one of the biggest uh, Commonwealth meetings uh, ever. So it can be done with commitment, measurement, direction. Absolutely. Best investment any government can make. Fascinating. Wanted to reiterate what you said, um, bringing thousands of attendees or yeah. business tourists, if you will, of, yeah. that weren't coming, right? So you're saying these people yeah. will come for a convention, will come for business tourism of, of some description, and they weren't going to make it. And there is, this, of course, that potential that they will then come later for tourism, right? Or extend or do something like that, which is, which is huge for a number of these destinations. Absolutely. You know, if you go, you can do some research and, you know, talk to people who, you know, you, you're off to Puerto Rico next week. It's probably family or whatever, but you, there's, there's a very different reason um, that, that you are heading to, to Puerto Rico. If there was a meeting happening uh, in, in Puerto Rico, thousands of people would be going there. I mean, I remember DMAI, um, uh, or was it even IACVB back then, had the annual general meeting in Puerto Rico in the early, I'm going to say perhaps 2002, where the world of, of meeting profs all ended up uh, in, in Puerto Rico for, uh, for five days. Um, again, just to, to, to make the case in point, if you look at uh, Frankfurt last week, there were 10,000 delegates, buyers, media in town just because of IMEX. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they certainly weren't there on, 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 on a vacation of any sorts. So this yeah. is the, I think, the, 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 the magnetism of, of, of the meetings industry. Absolutely. Attracts so 1,000 people who were not coming to your destination. Yeah, I think that's a very good, very simple way to explain it. And one of the questions we, we ask a lot of our podcast guests is how do we explain what we do to our families? And, and that may be a, a good way to explain it, right? Attract people to a destination who weren't planning, who didn't make that. Exactly, know. exactly. And I think that works again to an emerging market and Africa, you put it into that emerging market category for sure. Yeah. And, but once I get you to Africa as a delegate, then of course, the, uh, the next step of the marketing strategy, which then works very, very nicely with leisure or leisure, to get of those thousand, those thousand people, to get up to 40% of them to return to your destination inside five years with significant others. Yeah, that's, a, that's the definitely definite benefit. You, you mentioned a yeah. little bit of funding, and I think that's also the area where it differs from, from the US and the Australian yeah. models. Uh, you mentioned, I think, Uganda, you mentioned World Bank is actually the, you know, the, 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 the I guess, the, the financial backer of the Convention Bureau. Um, could you describe, you know, the other, you, you work with many different Convention Bureaus. Um, I'm always fascinated to understand the funding models. You know, who's actually putting the money? Who's actually believing in these models financially and, and backing these projects? Yeah. So, um, in terms of let's let's start with, with Uganda. 
So we, as the business tourism company, we work very closely with the World Bank um, on establishing convention bureaus because the World Bank has seen, coming back to, uh, to Rwanda as an example, Miguel, uh, I mean, Rwanda now is generating, and again, I'm going to guess it, it's in excess of $600 million of revenue out of, out of the meetings industry that wasn't there in the first place three or four years ago. So there is, a, I think, a great, a, a great case study of how the Convention Bureau works and is managed and reports back. It generates new foreign direct investment, new dollars, import new dollars into the economy. So back to, to Uganda, it's, uh, the establishment of the Convention Bureau is being funded by the World Bank and it'll probably be a, a year investment. The government will then, part of our training and our coaching and our mentoring, the Convention Bureau, the government, the Uganda um, Tourism Board, where the Convention Bureau sits institutionally, will pick up the, the strategy, the mandate, and compass and drive the five-year business plan that talks, as we said a little earlier, to a bigger African picture. Because I, I've always said and maintained still that Convention Bureau is by no means, it's not a short-term investment. Africa is a long-term play. You need to have the vision. What we are doing is building institutions that will, will be there forever. I mean, the Vancouver Convention Bureau, you look at uh, convention centers across the world, they, you know, they're not sort of uh, whims at, at all. They're strategic dreams and vision to deliver all the great stuff that you know better than anybody, Miguel, you know, the, the knowledge transfer, the education. Um, in fact, that's one, uh, as I think aloud, that's one of the areas we, met, we, we, across Africa, we really need to develop going forward is a strong or much stronger association foundation. We really have got to get our, our associations from Cairo to Cape Town, from Dakar to Addis, working and comprehending their specific role of their specific associations. There are loads of headquarters, but they're going to need a lot of, uh, a lot of encouragement and drive. Yep. So, um, and that'll be certainly one of the roles of, of, of business development that will come out of the convention bureaus that you established. So just to just to wrap up the, the funding side of things. So the World Bank is is kind of starting this one example, and then the government will, will kind of pick, pick it, up it up and be the driver force. Is that Correct. a model that you've seen across the other destinations you're working with? Or does it tend to be more a government initiative to start off with? Or are there is there private investment as well involved? No. Um, great question. It's World Bank seed money, government pick it up, continue uh, driving it, accountable, measure the dollars, the investments. Private sector then obviously will work alongside the Convention Bureau because ultimately there's 1,000 delegates coming to the destination that will be, will be managed through DMCs, PCOs, convention centers, hotels, taxis, and restaurants. 
So it's that it's it's that partnership between government, so the sector being government sector led, mm-hmm. but private sector driven. So it's it's a, it's a, it's the typical Miguel that PPP mentality through advisory boards through the right kinds of of, of uh, institutions. So the two crucial that they work hand in hand and work for one another. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that's more in line with, let's say, a European model than, than the kind of US model that's very kind of private, hotel bed tax, that kind of thing? Led? Yeah. I think that the US is, um, again, obviously, it's, 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 it's a very sophisticated uh, model and it, it works really well. Um, but the, 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 this uh, public-private sector, in some cases, the public, um, yeah, there's, sometimes there's a, there's a little bit of angst between the two, sort of government, mm-hmm. public, and private sector. So, you know, we've, we've been known to have a few uh, uh, arguments uh, around that. <laughs> I'm pattern. sure there's some heated discussions, all, all in heated good spirits, that hopefully get, uh, get resolved. But, but generally, uh, you know, as the PCOs grow, as the DMCs grow, as the value chain grows, that, that critical mass will start to present itself. And uh, everybody loves a winner. Um, and I think East Africa, particularly across the continent, is the next center of gravity. So our, our focus is really, you know, if we can get Rwanda, Uganda, Kenya, Ethiopia, Tanzania, Tanzania, those um, those East African pivotal brands to start working together and illustrating, uh, certainly to the West, um, how it can be done. And it'll take time. But I I, I remain absolutely confident that um, it, it, it will become magnetic and it'll happen. And uh, we'll see convention bureaus rise across the continent and deliver the economic impacts that they can deliver. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So I think where we've positioned the conversation, I think most of the CVB conversation being at IMEX and also IMEX America for, for, for many of them, it is you know really to attract that that US, that European, those kind of associations in those locations. One of the things that we've been looking a lot at Skift is also, you know, African tourism, be leisure and business tourism, and, and how in a lot of situations the that's not a target market and that's sort of that client and that base is is under exploited or not a main focus is that something that is also part of your plans and understanding how you you know navigate that that that's kind of markets that's maybe not as established or not as kind of standardized but 
but has huge potential, right? With Africa having so many young people, so many new companies. I mean, places like Nigeria are simply exploding with innovation and technology and the crypto space and all these kind of things. And they also want to do events and travel. Is there a way to capture that? Or is that part of your, your thinking as well? Hmm. No, absolutely, Miguel. Um, the important, we were just chatting what a couple of minutes ago about the, the we have to strengthen the association spine. Mm -hmm. That needs a lot of work. Once that's concretized or better concretized, we can then start reaching out from an association point of view into the European, the international association space. But what we will be looking for there is, you know, host, host associations from an international point of view. We need them to kind of move out of, out of their comfort zones and look at taking a meeting to Africa. You know, yes, um, it, it's, it, on the one hand, it's really exciting. It, it's really different. It'll give delegates something else to experience. Your legacy benefits, I would argue, would be far more uh, enriching if one did that. But with it comes Africa and the unfortunate perception of of the continent, although I think once once associations do land on the on the continent's shores, their the eyes and ears are wide open. The experience, the cultural differences are just absolutely amazing. So that's really a bit of a, a, a narrative around associations. But back to um, the U.S. market, what we tend to be doing there is focusing primarily on the incentive space. So here, you know, working closely with uh, site, for example, um, you know, to get there are, I mean, some uh, amazing, amazing incentive uh, itineraries that, uh, that work really well into the, into the North American arena. So we want to really see incentives dr driven a lot harder into North America, associations driven a lot harder into Europe and the, the rest of uh, uh, those associations that rotate their business globally. And then the Middle East, Miguel, from an exhibition point of view, loads of exhibitions are going in uh, and happening out, uh, out of the UAE, the Middle East, and what have you. And uh, I think, again, once all the current wars and tribulations subside sooner rather than later, Africa will then become a, a, a continent ready for business, um, open for business. Uh, this year is going, it's a big political year across the continent with loads of elections. So perhaps internationally a little bit uh, comme ci, comme ça, but that'll settle down in 12 months time, 18 months time, and the continent will be really uh, um, in, the, in the starting blocks. And hopefully you won't have to start conversations and start processes again, right? Because with political power changing, there's always the, the chance of that happening. Um, just wanted to expand on the point you made about associations, the association spine. And just to clarify, do you mean um, building or nurturing local and regional associations that are connected to international associations? And if so, can you... Just expand a little bit on that strategy to make sure we understand how, why that's important. Yeah, absolutely. So 
there's a, a, a bedrock of existing associations, loads of them, and we need to give, the, give them all purpose and direction. So that's going to be one, uh, one, one tactic to link that uh, from a country point of view into a regional point of view, then a continental and then an international. So that's going to be one part, one pillar, Miguel. Just alongside that, we work very closely with, with governments to determine exactly what it is that they economically are wanting to drive. So, you know, uh, just to make it, uh, um, make, make it uh, easy to understand for in, in, in South Africa, for argument's sake, it could be mining uh, across the continent, agriculture, with food security and all those sub conversations. So we will sit down with various um, stakeholders, determine exactly what it is that the government is driving. How can we hone that particular funnel? And if there's a, an association or are there associations that talk to that deliverable, we'll then package the, uh, the strategy around what government want to see happen. And that also, I think, gives the Convention Bureau terrific credence. It gives it uh, accountability. And the government can then subscribe and see exactly how the Bureau is driving that, that, that piston with the results that come with it um, uh, yeah, and all the cascading uh, downstream benefits. Brilliant. No, I think that that makes sense. It it sounds like a good plan. It sounds quite ambitious, and it sounds like you're working with so many different bodies, right? You have the the World Bank, you have the governments, and of course the governments change. You have the associations, you have the private sector. Um, how do you how do you get everybody on the same page? I mean, obviously there's a lot of face to face events, there's a lot of meetings, there's a lot of hand holding, yeah. but are, are there any particular kind of you know, yeah. techniques or kind of, you know, specific ways that you get people sort of united around the, the, these ambitious efforts? So um, one of our tools is uh, we, we help build a, uh, an industry association. So, for example, in Uganda, to your point, Miguel, with all these different diverse perspectives and points of view, We've developed uh, an association called UWAKI, the Uganda Association of the Conference and Incentives Industry, U-A-C-A-I-I, -I, UWAKI. In Rwanda, it was RAPCO. So we started with the, um, the BCOs, the Rwanda Association of Professional Conference Organizers. So in each of the countries, uh, in Ethiopia, we did the EEAA, the Ethiopian uh, Events and Exhibitions Association. So uh, we, 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 we institute a, um, a local association, an industry association, plug in all the, the, the appropriate um, uh, stakeholders, spokespeople, and use that um, as the forum. And... Normally, we would, uh, we would have a monthly meeting or, or, or the association would have a monthly meeting 
where information is, is digested and shared, the, the business plan, the next quarter is addressed and tabled, just so everybody has the opportunity of, of buying in and feeling a part and parcel of the, um, of the convention bureau and the business events way forward. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting because um, uh, at least in my space and where I'm seeing, I think a lot of people are questioning the value of associations and, and it's hard to yeah. kind of keep associations top of mind. But what you're saying is that actually associations are really key, particularly in these developing markets to bringing people together. And, and it really is one of the, the key ways to unite um, these these destinations yeah. in their in this focus. Yeah. And I think that's it's it's a barometer, Miguel. It, it helps. Well, it helps to raise standards, keep standards, and it's also a platform where international best practices can be shared. And you know, professional development is is critical. And it's on those kinds of platforms one can talk about education uh, shows. As, as the private sector starts to look at their business plans for forthcoming financial years, I think it's important that they appreciate that the Bureau is going to go, for example, to IMEX uh, America in October, uh, not only in 22, but also in 23 and 24. So plan as a private sector to invest on those platforms if it's, if it's strategically appropriate, right? Yeah. Now that, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So wanted to get back to Africa 2063. Talk to me a yeah. little bit about that. It's a 50 year plan, uh, right? Um, what is it for people who don't know anything about it? I, I must admit, I, my knowledge is somewhat limited, but I know it's the Africa Union that, that kind of put this together. Yes. And how, what does it mean for, for the event industry? Yeah, Miguel. Agenda 2063, uh, let's do the maths quickly. It's only 40, uh, only 40 odd years away, so it's not that far away, right? <laughs> it feels <laughs> like like a really long-term thinking. Uh, you know, when we're talking about, uh, what is it, net zero by 2050 and those kind of things, that already seems very distant, but 2063 seems, seems even further. It, 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 it does, and I think uh, these dates feel Arguably, they are very, very distant. But tourism and business events, it, it needs airline strategies, convention center strategies, convention bureau strategies, uh, infrastructure. It needs this, this long-term horizon. So um, it's just a, um, a, a group of passionate people out of the AU who've looked at this amazing continent. It's, what, 50 million square kilometers in size. It's got 1.3 or 4 billion population and growing, you know, and, and, and you've, you've seen all those lovely, those pictures of this Africa, this iconic continent that, I mean, the North America fits into the Sahara. I mean, just to try and give one some sense of uh, size and dimension. And what it can achieve with all things being equal. So if we double click on all things being equal, what is that? It's infrastructure. So by 2063, the airline, the air strategy, hopefully better be 
a lot more coordinated. I mean, right now, to get to some sort of countries, a girl, you've got to fly via Europe, you know, and it's, it's just all over the place. So it needs a lot of management, infrastructure management, roads, railways, um, already across East Africa, the, the rail network is starting to take some kind of shape. So it's really taking this continent and giving it, yeah, credentials, credibility, governance, uh, buy-in. I was lying awake the other day just thinking, you know, <sighs> poverty. We, we have to get rid of this human shadow called poverty. How are we going to do it responsibly? And I think the business events sector can do it. We need investment. I mean, how do we arrest um, the immigration, the migration challenges? You know, you've got these billionaires like uh, the Gates Foundation. Why don't they come into Africa and develop economies? You know, you've got the youth. I think the average age of the population in Africa is 19.7 years of age. In Europe, and again, it's like 37. In Japan, it's 47. No, so it's got all this youth, all this amazing potential. But it, again, perhaps through my lens and perhaps others as well, Miguel, it's, it's not being, we need to build the confidence and make sure that, um, you know, Africa has its fair share, gets its fair share of, of the future. And um, it, 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 needs, it needs optimism. It, it, it's, it's got a, so much going for it, but it's, you know, I often say, what is a sundial in the shade? Here is a sundial. It's in the shadows. And somehow through the meetings, events, industry, how can we pull the sundial and give it its rightful place, mid-sun, and grow optimism and good things? Yeah. No, yeah. So uh, I think the the, uh, the the African agenda is the Africa we want. That's the vision. The Africa we want. We want help. Now, again, I mean, I put, I put South Africa perhaps on its own to a larger or lesser degree, Miguel, because I think you know um, politics aside, South Africa is is doing a great job. Um, but I'm sure that, you know, that can wash into uh, the other 53 amazing destinations on this glorious continent. It does sound like uh, business events um, is, is a, a good industry to invest to make this a reality, right? It's a, it's a sustainable, uh, you know, provided there is a sustainable plan around it, right? Not just attracting yeah. foreign tourists, but attracting them in a sustainable way where there's profits to the local uh, uh, locals everywhere, you know, where, where the environment is not seriously damaged as, as a consequence. It sounds like um, a very totally. compatible industry to feed that through. Mm, I'm with you. I mean, it talks to all the SDGs. Yeah, it's, it's um, yeah. It's the, of course, the question is how do we ignite it? How do we get uh, how do we get this happening?
Excellent. Well, I hope that you keep us in the loop on how you, your plans change and how your plans adapt and how your plans develop around this. I think that, that would be fascinating. Thank Rick, you. Been, been a pleasure talking with you. I think it's still so much to learn about Africa and so much to do. I, I wish you lots of success with all the destinations that you're working with. It, it sounds like you are very busy and I know you had... How many destinations were you working with at IMEX? Just to make sure we, we keep that on record. Uh, okay, so there was... Um... I don't know offhand. Tanzania was there, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, Ethiopia. Uh, so that's five parts of South Africa. But uh, yeah, uh, six. <laughs> Excellent. And and it was definitely the biggest showing at IMAX. Uh, Africa yeah, had its sure. largest showing at IMAX, which is, which was great to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So want to wrap up there, but I want to ask you for a recommendation for uh, uh, a next uh, person that should be on the podcast, a next guest, uh, and maybe somebody that you recommend that we can talk more about the development of Africa. Uh, it can be absolutely anybody, but would love to get a recommendation from you and also um, what we should talk about, what we should ask them about uh, would be a great thing to ask you as well. Yeah, I do. Um... If you wanted somebody on the PCO side of it out of uh, Ethiopia, there is Flawless Events, which is also Yawad and Tidion is amazing, uh, energetic, full of life. She, she could perhaps put a, a private. She sounds like a, a very adequate guest. I think I think the minister may be maybe a little bit a little bit different for for this type of um, podcast recording, yeah. but. She sounds like a great guest, and I think it, I really like the idea of starting with Ethiopia and and wa walking through um, the East Africa destinations and really um, getting a, a grasp of, yeah. of what 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 it means to them and, and how they're developing and, the, and their plans for the future. Yeah, so uh, I think that would be uh, you know the land of origins. There's so much culture there, and um, yeah, no, it's uh, very very that exciting. Great. And what yeah. would you ask them if, if you were interviewing them on, on the podcast? Just one question. What would you, what would you, what is the one question I should not miss asking them or her? What are your dreams? What is your vision? Where do you see the Ethiopian Convention Bureau in 2030? Okay, we're coming a little bit closer. Twenty thirty, not quite twenty sixty three, but I think that's that's good. No, that's, uh... I, I, I know that they should have all that information at at, at their um, <laughs> at, at their arm's length. Excellent. It'd be great to get their their vision yeah. of the future of the Convention Bureau. Rick, absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you for sharing all this. Uh, makes me definitely want to want to go to to Africa and explore all parts of Africa that I have not had a chance of going to, and I think our listeners will will feel the same way. So thank you for being on the podcast with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Absolutely, absolutely, anytime, and uh, always here for you. Thank you very much. Take care. You too. Bye.